We're in John's Gospel, chapter 21. After this, Jesus appeared once more to his disciples at Lake Tiberias. And this is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, the one from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples of Jesus were all together. And Simon Peter said to the others, I'm going fishing. We will come with you, they told him. And so they went out in a boat. But that night, they didn't catch a thing. And as the sun was rising, Jesus stood at the water's edge. But the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And then he asked them, Young men! Haven't you caught anything? Not a thing, they answered. And he said to them, Right, throw your net out to the right side of the boat, and you'll catch some. So they threw the net out and couldn't pull it back in because they had caught so many fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around himself for he had taken his clothes off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples came to shore in the boat, pulling the net full of fish. And they were not very far from land, about a hundred metres away. And when they stepped ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there. With fish on it and some bread. And then Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore full of big fish. A hundred and fifty three in all. Even though there were so many, still the net didn't break. And Jesus said to them, come and eat. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And so Jesus went over and took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. And this then was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from death. Amen.
I want to talk about the haves and the have-nots this morning. Those that can afford to burn money and those that haven't got any. We're not particularly thinking about money, we're just talking about all kinds of having and all kinds of not having. I mean, it might mean money, it might mean the haves in money and that's how we usually think of it, isn't it? The haves and the have-nots, those who haven't got any money, those who haven't got anything, living rough. Is normally how we, uh, <coughs> excuse me, sort to of think about those things. But we could be talking about those who have power, even though for how short it might be, I don't know. And those who haven't got any power, who would like it and may have it one day, who knows? Not getting to that too much. There are those who've got things like Premier League status and those who haven't. But then we don't know how long the others will have it, do we, Michael? I wonder which you are. Are you someone who feels like you have? Or someone who feels like you haven't got? That's jumped, I forgot that bit. Are you someone who's got the fish? It's those who've got fish and those who haven't got fish, and pretend they have. Are we someone who feels like we have or someone who feels like we haven't? How has life treated you? In all kinds of ways, I wonder. Jesus, in our story, asked the disciples, haven't you caught anything yet? Haven't you caught anything? You see, they didn't have anything, our disciples, did they? They were, certainly at the start of our story, they were the have-nots. They hadn't got anything. They'd fished all night, but they hadn't caught anything. They had not. And then Jesus turns up on the shore, and they're not sure it's him at first. And he says, haven't you caught anything? Haven't you got anything? You know, we can give our whole life to something and feel like we haven't got a right lot or haven't got anything never mind a whole night I know when I went through my marriage breakup after 17 years I felt like I had nothing I felt like I was going to walk away with nothing what was all this about? what was all this for? maybe something's happened in your life that makes you feel like you've got nothing perhaps you used to have but now you feel like you haven't got what you've had has been taken away you've not just worked all night but you've worked for years and years and years and still you feel like you've caught nothing You might look at other people and think they have everything, but I have nothing. I've caught nothing. In church life, and certainly in church ministry, we can feel like we've fished all night and have caught nothing or very little. That we've sown much and reaped little. I've been in church leadership, voluntary, part-time, full-time, for over 30 years. 
And I can tell you that often it feels like we've caught very little, that there's been little fruit. I was talking to my, a friend of mine just a couple of months ago about a young adults house group I led in the 1990s. And we added up, there were some 17, 18 young adults that were part of that group. Between 15 and 30. That would have changed your figures somewhat this morning, wouldn't it? Yeah? But you know the sad thing? There's three of us. Three of us. are still going to church. Three of us. What happened? What happened to all the fish? And I can tell you similar stories about youth groups and even churches that I've been part of or led. Why am I keep banging? Does anybody know? <laughs> Over uh, the, those 30 years. About splits and divisions and people giving up. So those words that Jesus speaks, haven't you caught anything? They resonate with me. I wonder if they resonate with you. I want us to note the tone of Jesus' question. It's friends. It's friends. Haven't you caught anything? To me, it's compassionate. It's not, like, it's not like the next time I'll see Richard and he'll ask me how Arsenal went on yesterday when they lost to West Ham. That won't be compassionate. It won't be being compassionate and nice. Especially if they beat Spurs today, which hopefully they don't, even though I don't like Spurs. <laughs> we lost 1-0 to West Ham yesterday. Not very good. You see, like me, Jesus knew the answer before he asked the question. You know, like Richard, if he asked me, which he probably will, he'll know the answer. We didn't do very well. Jesus knew the answer. He knew they hadn't caught anything. But he had compassion. He was concerned. He wasn't asking so he can go, ha, 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 ha. And, I, you know, Jesus is compassionate here. Um, he's sympathizing. He knows the answer. He's saying, friends, haven't you caught anything? I wonder if those who feel like that this morning, can hear the compassionate voice of Jesus speaking to you and saying, friend, haven't you caught anything? Haven't you caught anything? Friend, haven't you caught anything? You see, Jesus knows how you feel. Maybe before I move on, it's probably not true that you haven't caught anything. And it's not true that I haven't got anything or caught anything either. You see, I didn't leave my marriage empty handed. I left with uh, two children. And today, I have the most amazing six-year-old granddaughter who is actually six today. This is her birthday, so six years ago today. I know I'm slightly biased, but nevertheless, it's true. She's the best six-year-old in the world. You can disagree if you want, but you'd be wrong. We went to see some pigs yesterday. 
for her birthday. What they wanted to do. They were vegans, and we went to Pigs in the Wood. And they got muddy. It was a bit like Peppa Pig rolling in the mud and stuff. There you go. You see, it's true that in ministry, I can count loads and loads of people who are not involved anymore. But then, there are some that are. There's a school teacher in Japan. He became a Christian in the AOG that I led in Bake Up years and years ago. And he found me on Facebook a few years ago just to tell me what he was doing. That he was still a Christian, he was still going on with God and he had moved to Japan and he was teaching children there. And I thought, wow, how amazing is that? That my little potsy ministry in Bake Up is now touching Japan. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? Yeah? And then there was this guy that we baptised in Bake Up and he contacted me about 12 months ago. And, uh, you know, he's one of those that you baptise and you're sort of thinking, well, oh, I'm not too sure about this, you know. He's a bit of a rough character. And sure enough, he got baptised and he came to church for a while and it was always a struggle. He was always a, one of those problem people, you know what I mean? And uh, he ended up getting arrested and ended up doing time. But he contacted me like about a year ago and he said, uh, I just want you to know that I've, in prison I met some Christians and, and, and God's helped me and I'm moving on. I'm out now and I'm going straight and trying to make something of my life. You see, yeah, sometimes it feels like we haven't got anything. But you know what? There's always something in there. We've always got something. And maybe you need to count your blessings as they used to sing. One by one today, to just to remember what you have got. And there's many stories, many more stories that I could go on all morning, but you've got a church meeting to go to as well, so. <laughs> Let's not forget that we need to bless God in, God in the land of the plentiful, but also in the desert place. And sometimes there's desert places, and sometimes it's a land of plentiful, but there's always something. There's always something that we can bless God for and praise God for. Jesus is compassionate, but he also says, have another go. Have another go. Cast your net on the other side. It's interesting because it made no sense, did it, to cast your net on the other side. If you've been fishing all night, and then some bloke on the seashore suggests you should cast your net on the other side, you kind of expect him to get told where to go, really, wouldn't you? You've been there all night, right, for you to catch your net on the other side. In fact, they tell us that the fish, they go deeper when the sun comes out, so here it should be harder now, not easier to catch anything. So it makes me think, although it says, I'm not sure it said it in the good news, but in, in some versions of the Bible it points out that they, they weren't sure who it was, this guy on the shore. They weren't sure if it was Jesus or not. But it makes me think they must have suspected, wasn't they? Because you wouldn't have done it for Joe Bloggs, would you? <laughs> And also, if we know our Bibles, we know that there was a story a little bit earlier on in the Scripture where Jesus had sent them out in a boat and they had this miraculous catch of fish. So, you you know, this is the second time this happened. So they're kind of thinking, this, this, this is not Jesus, is it? That's what I think. They're kind of thinking, this, this, this is not Jesus, is it? But it's not until they get this incredible catch of fish that they realise that it definitely is. 
I wonder, is Jesus telling you to have another go this morning? Is he saying, have another go? Because who knows what will happen if you have another go? It could be another go at all kinds of things. Another go at marriage. Another go at a job. Another go at an exam. Or gaining a qualification. Another go at friendship with someone. Another go at forgiveness. I'm sure for you as a church it means another go at fishing for men. For people. Another go at evangelism. Another go at sharing the gospel with someone. Perhaps this time, God will bless your endeavours beyond your wildest dreams. You see, Jonathan's recorded in saying in 1 Samuel 14 and 6, you can look it up if you want, perhaps God will act on our behalf. I mean, I, I love that. I just absolutely love it, don't you? Because cause I don't know about you, I don't have a lot of faith. And, 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 and this idea that I've got to believe that God's going to act, act on my behalf, that's pretty tough. But, but I can believe perhaps he might. Perhaps he might. Perhaps if I have another go, he might move in somebody's life. So I kind of like that one. Because I can have another go. And if it works, well, it works. And if it doesn't, well, it doesn't. Because I know it works sometimes. I don't really know why. But it just simply works sometimes, doesn't it? Or as Paul says to, two, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 25... To gently instruct opponents of the gospel in the hope that God may grant them repentance. So he might not, but he might. God may grant them repentance, the people you're talking to, and he might not. And I haven't got the wisdom or the intelligence to tell you why. I'm just telling you that he may. He might. And so you need to have another go. Or whatever it might be. Another go. So have another go. Because you never know what God might do. Have a different go. I don't know if you can see the picture very well or what. But they're sat in a boat... Fishing on dry land, a bit like my boat, that one. And they suggest that maybe they should do what it says in the Bible and have a go at other side of boat. You never know, if they had a go at other side of boat, they might win, they might win and catch, catch something, yeah? They might be onto a winner and catch something. You see, you may be working differently, having a different go. Doing something different will make all the difference. Maybe relating differently. Maybe behaving differently. Will change things in your life. Maybe then you'll not have nothing. Just a few months ago, I was in danger of having nothing again. Put myself in these positions to some extent. It's not easy to talk about these things. 29 and a half stone at the moment. Just catch myself a minute. 
The end of April, I was 33 still. That's not bad, that, is it? Right? And the reason I'm using the steps because I wouldn't dare do what Bob did. Seriously, I wouldn't dare do that. If you know the man's at Edside, there's loads of steps in it. And I was struggling. To take a couple of months off work. Because I couldn't stand up again. I'd done it to myself before. We had another go. We had another go. I've been dieting since I was eight years old. I'm now 53. And you know what? And, and if I was a non-Christian, but I'll do it anyway, I'd touch one day before I say this. <coughs> For the first time in my life, and I mean the first time in my life, and I've lost weight before, I feel like I might just have this. I might just have this. And if after 45 years of trying, we can have another go, and it works, imagine what might happen in your life. Because you probably haven't got 45 years of failure, whatever you think of. You might have. (laughs) Yeah. Have another go. It's, It's an amazing thing when you have another go sometimes. And I don't really know what the difference is. I don't really know. I mean, I, I know what I'm doing and so on, but <coughs> I don't really know what the difference is. Not to mention that, I, I've been on the road to ministry for about 20, 22 years, I think. <laughs> I mean, it could be longer, really. But they made me a minister recently. Proper, proper accredited minister. Only a newly one, but a proper, a proper accredited minister. Took me 22 years to get there. Something like that. Took me 11 years in Baptist ministry to get there. I'm the slowest. I'm a bit slow, me, but I get there in the end. Have another go. Who knows what might happen if you have another go? Who knows what might happen? don't know what you're discussing in your church meeting but maybe you need to have another go maybe that's the word of God for you today in your church meeting that you have another go I don't know if that's not right just throw it away I was at the NWBA forum last autumn some of you have heard of Roy Searle one of our former presidents in the Baptist uh, setup, whatever they call it family or Baptist together or union, keep changing names, don't we? Um, and he likes to talk about the reality and he, he was talking about our churches are declining, our churches are aging, that 3.5 million church have left the church in the last 30 years. That's about the time I came into it. I don't think it's my fault, but there we go. <laughs> and he made this statement about many of our Baptist churches. Many are dying. In fact, some of them are already dead. They just don't know it yet. And uh, just to add to the crisis, the Anglican Church published, uh, they've got loads of money, you see, so they can do things like this. They published a report a few years ago about the expected shortage of ministers that's going to take place in uh, in the next sort of 10 years, because in the next 10 years, loads of ministers are going to retire. And there just isn't the numbers that have come in, although they've increased recently, there isn't the numbers coming in to take their places. 
that's Anglicans, but they, they tell me that the Baptists have a similar problem. We just don't have the figures. But what all that means is there's a greater need to reach our community. A greater need. You see, if we look at church history, we can imagine that it's always been good. It isn't true. When Wesley had his revival in the 18th century, 1730s it started, when he, the first of two he sort of lived through, when he had his revival, the church was pretty dire. And it wasn't that good when he finished either. Because the revival wasn't as big as we make out. It was, it was the revival that took place about a hundred years ago that made the biggest difference, about the 1860s, something like that. And for a hundred years, we had a thriving church in many ways. And then in the 1960s, again, I don't think it's anything to do with me, that's when I was born, we started to go into decline. It's going to decline. And so what, what that says to us is not that all's lost, but that actually, sometimes you've just got to, you know, that's just the way of things, isn't it? Things are going to decline and they come back again, you know. Fifteen years ago, Arsenal were champions of England. <laughs> just gone unbeaten all season. Now look at us. Can't even beat West Ham. You see, but hopefully in another 15 years, please love, we'll be champions of England again. If I'm still alive, it won't matter if I'm not. <laughs> right? Last week I was preaching at Elmshore Christian Fellowship and we looked at the Acts mission to Samaria. And one of the things we noted is that, that fulfilled, if you like, the uh, the words of Jesus, which I don't know what they were, whether they were a prophecy or a command or what, but you will be my witnesses in, Judea, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We're fulfilling the last bit now. But that bit was fulfilled in Acts 8 and Philip's mission to Samaria because suddenly they started reaching out to the Samarians. Do you know what caused them to do it? Tell me. Somebody must know. Persecution. Persecution. Stephen getting killed and persecution that followed that. And it's incredible, isn't it? Like, the church has to go through an incredible crisis to make it do what God wants it to do. What kind of a crisis are we in? We had a conversation, me and my friend Steve, about crisis. See, we need the crisis because if we don't have the crisis, we don't do what God wants us to do. And so, I think the crisis in the church that I think we have is to cause us to have another go. It's to cause to realise where we're at and to just have a go. Maybe doing things differently. Have another way of reaching out. I wonder what is holding us back. Not just from having another go, but what holds us back when we do? Buildings, programs, old-fashioned ways of doing things. You see, some of that might have to go, might not it? If we're going to have a different go, some of that might have to go if we're going to see change. As Baptists in Rosendale, it's like you in your small corner and me in mine, isn't it? And corner's only around corner as well. 
on one corner, somebody else is wrapped up a corner, and then you go wrapped up a corner, there's somebody else there as well. Oh, the poor We barely speak to each other, if we're honest. Do we? Unless it's about pensions. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything in that. I'm just throwing out that, well, maybe we need to have another go, and a different go, and maybe we need to talk about it, and how we can do it. I know in the uh, in the forum I was on about the NWBA forum, they were suggesting that churches uh, didn't worry too much about doing what they'd always done. That that is actually a drain to a church often, um, because we've always done this and we've got to do this because we've done it for 153 years, and so we've got to keep on doing it, even though the resources out there, the people out there, and so on to do it anymore. And so they suggested having a go at what you're good at. And one church of elderly people didn't have a minister, couldn't afford a minister. I said, stop worrying about having a sermon every week. And what they did, because they thought they were good at it, I don't know how good they were, but they might have been reasonable at it. They made cakes and brewed up. Sunday morning, invited people to join them for a cup of cake, a cup of tea, and a, that'd be good, wouldn't it? A cup of cake. Into cupcakes nowadays, aren't they? A cake and a cup of tea. And you know what? Some new people came. And there was new life. Because they just did something different. They just had a go at something they thought they were good at. They weren't any good at preaching, so they didn't do that. <laughs> like you, glad you shut up. <laughs> They weren't any good at certain things. And so they did what they were good at. And they talked about Jesus. So what is love good at? What are you good at, folks? What are you good at? You personally. What are you good at? What could you do? That's just something different. Something that might, you never know, because perhaps... God might use it. It's going to be fishy out with the other side of the boat. What can you do to engage people, minister to people, share the love of Jesus with people? How can you have another go at reaching your families and your friends and your neighbours and your community and the valley and the nation and the world? How can you have another go? They put the nets on the other side and they had an amazing catch of fish. 153 to be exact. And it's then John that's described as the disciple Jesus loves says to Peter, it's the Lord. And it's here that those suspicions we talked about are proved right. What they hope for is true. What they're hoping for is true. I wonder if what we're hoping for could be true. You see, and, the, and that thing is that this is Jesus. This is Jesus on the shore. And, and the evidence is there's loads of fish in the net. Well, because they could see him yet. And Peter, he takes off, doesn't he? He's out with the boat. Not sure if he walked on water again or what. 
He's out of the boat. He's splashing his way through the water. Because Jesus is there. I wonder what would make you get out of the boat and run towards Jesus. What miracle, what thing would make you want to do that? How could you have this encounter with Jesus that's so dramatic you're just going to want to run towards him? You see, it wasn't like, you know, it was in worship and all this. It was Jesus was acting in his life. Here's Peter fishing all night, catching nothing, and suddenly he catches something. And he realises suddenly God is with him. God is with him. You know, some of the greatest things that have happened in my life... Uh, when I've seen God move and he's provided loads of things for me in my life I can tell you stories houses when I've been almost homeless um, cars, money because I've been poor all my life <coughs> um, and just and it's not you know even guidance when I didn't know what to do and it's not so much that I got the guidance and it's not so much that I got the money or the house or the car although they were pretty useful to be honest alright but it was suddenly, I knew, I wasn't on me all, that God was with me. That I was having an encounter with God. Not in some worship experience, fairy, everything, but this was reality on the ground, in real life, and God, I'm not against that by the way, but that God, God was showing up in real, everyday circumstances and making a difference. They're the best encounters I've had with God. And I walked with confidence into the next step because I knew that God was with me. You know, it says, doesn't it, in the Great Commission, we're doing a, a course at uh, uh, Edgeside. God is closer than you think. John Ortberg, I don't know if you've heard of it. Might have even done it. And he uses in the first one, which I preached the other week, about the promise. And he uses the the Great Commission. And I have to knock him a little bit because he just says, I, God promises to be with you. But there's, there's a condition to that promise, really. We go and make disciples, yeah? Teaching them, blah, 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 baptizing them, teaching them, da, da, da. And I will be with you. Yeah? There's a connection, isn't there? When we're out there doing what God wants us to do, God's with us. Here these fishermen are, in the, in the sea, you know, Sea of Galilee, it's not prophecy, alright, fishing, fishing, they're fishing already. And who's with them? Jesus. And there's someone in that, friends, I believe. Jesus is with us when we're doing what God wants us to do. That's not that he's not with us when we're not doing what, you know, I don't think he leaves us, alright? But there's a difference between being with us and being with us. You see? You understand what I mean, don't you? You know? There was, at my football match yesterday, there was 22 players on the field. 11, they were all together. They were all with us. But 11 were with us and 11 were against us. Alright? And we want Jesus with us. It doesn't matter who else is against us. We want Jesus with us. And, we, we, and the only way we're going to have Jesus with us is if we're doing what he wants. Because <laughs> he's not changing his plans to suit you. Eh? And we want Jesus with us. So we need to get out there and have another go.
Jesus knows where we are. He knows whether we have or we haven't got. He knows what we have and what we haven't got. He knows the state of the church here in Loam, in Edgeside, in Rosendale, in Lancashire, in the nation and even the world. And he's compassionate. And he says with compassion, friends, haven't you caught anything? And he urges us all over scripture to reach out to others. As we put it this morning, to have another go. Or maybe he's speaking to you about something else. Like diets, or ministry, or whatever it might be. You see, it's never too late to have another go. And when we do, and if it's time, if it's the time, the greatest thing about it will not be the success, or the fruit, or the converts, or the fish, because it's not about the fish. Although they will be good and fantastic, it will be that you're having a God encounter.